0: Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. Every weeknight, we bring you the latest developments in this incredible and consequential moment in American history. It's been just over 10 weeks since Nancy Pelosi first announced her support for a formal impeachment inquiry. Yesterday, in three separate events, a prepared speech, a press conference and a CNN town hall last night, the Speaker of the House advanced the process Even further, instructing her House colleagues to begin drafting articles of impeachment. And next week, we're going to hear House Democrats uh, lay out their case against the president in that form, in Judiciary Committee, as they go through the charges against the president. I have two fantastic guests to help me contextualize all of this. In a few minutes, we'll talk with Rachel Bade, who's a Washington Post congressional reporter and a CNN political analyst. But first, I'm joined by my esteemed colleague and dear friend, CNN chief political analyst, Gloria Borger. Gloria, welcome back to the podcast. Fun to be here. Gloria, this is clearly the speaker's moment. I mean, this is, I, I know she was asked what she wanted to be remembered for uh, in this process last night, and she quickly pivoted to, I want to be remembered for the Affordable Care Act is what I want to be remembered for, which she will be, I have no doubt, and for being the first female speaker, no doubt. But this is a moment that is, that is one for the history books. And I want you to hear this one phrase that she said to Jay Tapper in response to a question last night that to me sort of summed up this moment for her Uh, Here's Speaker Pelosi at the CNN town hall. If a Democrat wins in 2020, um, would you feel free to go home because Obamacare would be protected or 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 not?
1: Well, I'll see. I'm not on a timetable. I'm on a mission.
0: (laughs) Gloria, I don't know about that. The audience clearly loved it, but it sort of encapsulates
1: what where she's at, doesn't it? Yeah, she is on a mission. And uh, it, it's almost as if Nancy Pelosi was made for this. Uh, this is, it wasn't that long ago, if you'll recall, that younger members of the House were saying she's too old, she's out of touch, she can't lead us, she doesn't know where the party is, she doesn't understand where we need to go. And now more and more Democrats you talk to say, oh, my God, what?" would we do without Nancy Pelosi because Nancy Pelosi has been able to navigate this, lead the caucus through some very treacherous waters, deal with the more left-wing part of the party, the AOCs of the world who now respect her, Uh, and also deal with the moderates whom she is trying to protect as she tries to make sure that she is the speaker uh, after the next election. So uh, she is also somebody with a great deal of experience in the world of intelligence. She uh, is somebody who understands all of those issues. So when Nancy Pelosi says all roads lead to Russia, you have to understand that she kind of knows the intelligence community, and what she is talking about she here. She likes to
0: say she grew up in the intelligence process in her years. That's in Congress, right. As yeah. she
1: said to Trump once, I believe, you're in my wheelhouse now. So, and as she said yesterday, don't mess with me. Th- this, is a, this is a woman in full. And she is ready to lead her party. And she intends for it not to be over a cliff.
0: The other thing that I thought she made clear last night at the town hall is that these articles of impeachment, this isn't being a farmed out and delegated to Jerry Nadler and the Judiciary Committee by themselves to do it. She said, we are doing this collectively, which to me indicated I'm very much involved about which articles we're going to write up and pass out and mark up in judiciary. Uh, This is not something that is just up to Jerry Nadler.
1: Nothing happens without Pelosi's okay. She's leading this. Make no mistake about it. That is why Adam Schiff ended up having such a prominent role here. She said it is a group effort, and I'm sure it is, but it does have to go through her because she is the one with the full picture of the caucus. She knows what will make the moderates upset. Do you or don't you add in articles from the Mueller report, for example, which is a a point of contention, and we'll talk about that later. How do you shape these articles of impeachment? She is also somebody who understands the history here, who really understands what happened to Bill Clinton, who understands how this will work in the Senate, for example. She's the one dealing with Chuck Schumer. So... uh, She nothing nothing happens without her. And as she said in the town hall, if it if it hadn't been for Ukraine, there wouldn't have been impeachment, which she has made clear throughout. There's
0: no doubt. But she has also said that in the past she had said you don't do impeachment unless you have bipartisan buy in to some to some extent. And that is clearly not happening. And so I wonder if you think what, the, what is the political risk for her, her members, the Democratic Party at large, for moving ahead with an impeachment? And maybe, you're, maybe you'll say there isn't one. I don't know. But for moving ahead with impeachment without a single solitary Republican on board with this notion?
1: Look, I think there's great political risk. I think she understands it. When Jake asked her last night whether you would do the same thing again, uh, and she said Yes she said she would do it. And it isn't as if there's been a groundswell of support for this, although support for the notion of impeachment has grown. But I think Nancy Pelosi now makes a different argument than she made originally. Her argument now is that the reason you have to do this before an election is because this is a president who was trying to affect the upcoming election. And if you were to leave this unchecked, that could continue. So she's looking forward with this instead of looking backward to 2016. And that's the argument she wants the caucus to be making to the American public. Whether it will stick or not remains to be seen. That's also a reason she wants to get it done before January, (laughs) before the Iowa caucuses. So people can see it in their rearview mirror and then move on to the issues that she knows are of great importance to the American people.
0: Yeah, I said yesterday, and I I really... I am really skeptical that this is going to be a front of mind issue for voters come next November, the way our media culture works. And our it just seems hard. I think it could be a data point in the overall arguments that get made. But I, I, it just seems hard to imagine that the election will turn on this. That is a year from now. Um, I will also just say, yes, she did shift her argument. I agree with what you're saying. And I don't want to oversell this notion of the importance of bipartisanship. I went back and looked and just want to remind, like, there were five Democrats that crossed party lines to join Republicans to vote on articles of impeachment against Bill Clinton. Three of those five subsequently became Republicans. It wasn't a hugely bipartisan event either in nineteen ninety-eight. I don't I don't know that impeachments normally are. Nixon may be the rare example of that.
1: Well and, and she it, it, speaking that. of nineteen ninety-eight, she made a very interesting point last night. She said what what Bill Clinton did was stupid. But the the constitutional violations of this president are so egregious that it actually threatens our democracy. The Bill Clinton was dumb, but didn't threaten the democracy itself.
0: Gloria, we're going to have a lot more to discuss. Stay right there. Right after this break, we're going to be joined by reporter Rachel Bade of The Washington Post and CNN. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Daily D.C. Impeachment Watch. I'm David Challey and Gloria Borger is still with me. And joining us now is Washington Post congressional reporter and CNN political analyst Rachel Bade. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Happy to be here. So Gloria and I were just talking about uh, Nancy Pelosi's uh, heavy hand in crafting these articles of impeachment. I actually want to play for you a little bit of the Q&A with uh, Jake Tapper, our colleague last night at the town hall, that gets at this point, because I think it really zeroes in on the conversation that is happening inside the House Democratic Caucus right now. Here's Nancy Pelosi at the town hall. You said this morning, Madam Speaker, that your chairman, Uh, will make recommendations on what the articles of impeachment should be. So if the Judiciary Committee chairman, Gerald Nadler, recommends that the articles of impeachment do include obstruction of justice charges from the Mueller report, will you go forward with that or would you stand in his way?
2: We're uh, we're operating
1: collectively. We have our own, uh, shall we say, um, communication with each other. OK, So I'm not going to answer one. With all due respect, I'm not going to answer one charge. Or we're not writing the, uh, the articles of impeachment here tonight.
0: Rachel, does Nancy Pelosi give herself a bigger headache inside her caucus if these articles of impeachment reach back? before Ukraine into the Mueller report and include charges of obstruction of justice from that.
2: So it looks like she's going to have a headache either way. When she says we're having, quote, communication, it's more like an internal family feud right now. Um, You know, I was just on the Hill. And it's really interesting because the Judiciary Committee traditionally is the panel that Crafts articles of impeachment. They're the ones that are supposed to have the job of writing exactly what these charges are. But Pelosi and her leadership team uh, have been going back and forth on the Mueller report. Do they include charges of obstruction of justice? Because there are a bunch of moderates that they're hearing from right now, uh, Democrats from these swing districts, who are really worried that they don't have enough evidence for these charges. And from my understanding, there's a lot of moderates who are willing to say, We are going to vote against a charge of obstruction of justice. And Pelosi has to decide, is she going to tell the Judiciary Committee, which wants to include those charges, no? uh, Or is she going to let them move forward and see them potentially fail on the floor? Yeah, I, I think it also, correct me if I'm wrong, could give some Democrats
1: an opportunity to say, well, I voted for Article 1 and 3, but I didn't vote for Article 2 because I don't think we could prove it. And that may work to the
2: benefit of some Democrats in a way. That's exactly right. And there have been some moderates that I have spoken to who are open to that. And they not only open to that, but they can go back to their districts and say, look, Ukraine surpassed a threshold. We had to do something. But on obstruction on the Mueller report, you know, I voted it down. There wasn't enough evidence. The problem with that is that Pelosi, she is very sensitive to Republican accusations that Democrats are divided. And so from my understanding from leadership sources is that she does not want the optics of Democrats only passing some articles and clearing the president on otherwise other articles, because then he can say, you know what, look, even Democrats agree that I did nothing wrong. Mueller found nothing, no collusion, no
0: obstruction. That's interesting. Again, just looking back at the 1998 history 21 years ago, and it might end up being 21 years to the day when this House vote actually happens on the floor from what happened with Clinton in 98. Judiciary voted out four articles of impeachment. The House only passed two. Uh, Two of them did did go down. It's interesting that she wants to... Perhaps avoid that kind of uh, history. But let me just push back for a second and see what you guys think about this. I get that the moderates may think that that is helpful to them to go home and say, hey, I voted against this. But isn't the reality that whatever the political pain that Republicans or uh, the Trump campaign or the outside interest groups are going to apply to these Democrats in these moderate districts, they're going to paint them with one broad stroke. If they vote to impeach on any article, they voted to impeach the president and not worrying about your health care or prescription drugs or what have you. D- who's going to make the nuanced argument in some way that voters are going to get that they didn't vote on one article and they voted on the other? They're going to be framed as having voted for impeachment.
2: Are they not? Uh, it's a good point. I mean, there's an old saying on the Hill, if you're explaining, you're losing. And that's a very fine line to walk. I mean, clearly, the moderates think it's something they can do.
1: I mean, nuance and politics don't often uh, go well together. So... I agree with you, David, but it's a question of the compromise that Pelosi going to have to come up with. And she may well decide. And don't forget, she was against impeachment when it was just the Mueller report. So she may well come down on the side of you are not going to include this because, as Rachel says, because we
2: need to be united. And there's one other one other point here, and that is that when Pelosi initially endorsed an impeachment inquiry, she said point blank to her members, at least privately, we're going to focus on Ukraine. So every single hearing they've had since then has focused on Ukraine they haven't had any hearings on the Mueller report. So if all of a sudden they go back and they add that in, that's a really you know, good point. voters Very have not been fall; follow- They haven't been watching hearings on TV about this. Are they going to slow down and have hearings and try to lay out the case? It adds potential time to the impeachment timeline. And we know Democrats want this done by Christmas because they're so sensitive about this spilling into 2024 political reasons. Is there any sense
0: that you have about the more liberal left wing base of the party? How palpable is the demand to include the Mueller case. Is that is that just something they're putting out there or is that something that they really want to go to the mat on?
2: So my understanding is on Judiciary Panel, they really want to do this. Now, the Judiciary Committee is full of um, a lot of very progressive members. The question is, like, what are they going to do if Pelosi says no? I can't imagine that they're going to go out on a limb and introduce their own articles without her blessing. That would be quite unfathomable, I think, considering how they're trying to stay together. Then the division, the fighting within the Democratic caucus becomes the story. So I know they really want this. I don't know that there's going to be anything that they can do if they don't get it.
0: I just want to look ahead with you guys quickly to the Senate trial. I know I'm looking towards January now, and we've got a little ways to go here in the House process. But Pat Cipollone, the White House counsel, was up on the Hill talking to uh, Senate Republicans about, though they totally reject that there should be any impeachment at all, but about preparations for a Senate trial. Rachel, what have you learned about how the McConnell... White House counsel operation is working together to prepare for what this trial looks like and how the Trump defense is offered.
2: Well, clearly, they're trying to get on the same page. But I think that this is going to be uh, an ongoing challenge for Senate Republicans because the president is really pushing Republicans in the Senate to put up a defense that a lot of them are not comfortable with. Um, He wants them to, for example, subpoena the whistleblower, subpoena Adam Schiff, bring in Nancy Pelosi. And Senate Republicans know that that is a lot of them have concerns about that. They think that that looks way too partisan. There are concerns about protecting the whistleblower. So some of them don't want to go there. How are they going to defend him? What kind of defense are they going to put up? Are they going to actually try to sort of call in some of these Ukraine witnesses to hear from them again? Or are they going to totally do a diversion tactic that the president wants them to do and go after his political adversaries, bring in Joe Biden? And so I think that... The Republicans, they are trying to get on the same page, but the White House and what Trump wants the Republicans to do is totally different than what I think that they are comfortable with. And so that is going to be an ongoing discussion that I think could spill out into the open here in the coming weeks as we get closer.
1: And the worst thing for the president would be if the Republicans come out, as some have done, like John Thune, uh, saying what he did was may have been inappropriate, but it certainly isn't impeachable. And the president doesn't want to hear that it was inappropriate because it was a perfect phone call. And so there are lots of Republicans who believe that it was an inappropriate phone call, that it was not right. So as a result, where can they go? They can go to process, they can talk a lot about being railroaded. This is not the this is not what the founding fathers envisioned. They can talk all they want about that. But it's a question of what is the defense? Because the the answer to the it's inappropriate but not impeachable is another question, which is, is it acceptable? Is it acceptable to you as a United States senator that the president of the United States did this? Because the case the Democrats made was not about one phone call, but was about a concerted effort that was months long. Uh, to hold up funds and to hold up a White House meeting in exchange for going down a rabbit hole into these debunked conspiracy theories about Joe Biden, et cetera. So the senators have to do some soul searching on this and, and come up with a defense for the president if they want to defend him, which many do, that is acceptable to the president. And that's the hardest part.
0: No doubt. And just to underscore your guys point right before I walked in here to record the podcast, I got an email, you know, solicitation, fundraising solicitation from the Trump campaign in the president's name. And the first words, the first sentence was, I did nothing wrong, all in caps. That is uh, where he is. So unacceptable or inappropriate does not seem to be anything that is going to be. Uh, acceptable to him. Gloria, Rachel, thank you so much for joining me on The Daily DC. And thanks to our listeners. We've got a new episode for you every weeknight. So please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcast app is. While you're there, leave us a rating or a comment. It helps people find the show. We'll see you on Monday.